0: What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Gerald Valley here, and I want to thank you guys. Thank you for tuning in this week. If you have been paying attention, the last few episodes have been mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. I never really know how the show is gonna go. You know, we have a loose outline. I, my format, I'll tell you the secret to the whole operation. You know, we have a guest. The guest is uh, you know, we're, we're talking. I, he sends he or she sends me a bio. I send a loose outline for the show and we take it from there and you guys get to witness what exactly happens. It's a loose outline because so often the the interviews take this left, right they they, they they take the craziest turns. And if you saw Phil Stone, if you saw Phil Stone, that is a prime example of what ends up happening. That dude blew my mind, and I've known him. I've been a friend of his for some years now. He does artwork, and we skate together. That's all I really knew. And you heard the, I mean, jumping out of glass windows working at a strip club, drawing pornography. It was nuts. It was nuts. And every guest really blows my mind. When I get out of the studio at night, when I leave NRM at night, I seriously do not get to bed till like 1, 2, 3 in the morning because the adrenaline is so high that I'm like on fire. Like I wish I could do like 10 shows in a row, but I, I would never sleep. You see the goosebumps, and that's just me talking about it. Just talking about it. I am so honored and blessed to be here and bring you guys the, the amazing stories of some of the most phenomenal people on the planet. They sit down with me for an hour here. You get to see a snippet. Of their lives and how they arrived where they are today. Today's guest, uh, we connected through social media, grew up in really the same sphere of influence, and I'm like, wow, paranormal, interesting. Hmm, I'm going to reach out. And Todd was like, yeah, dude, I'll do the show. And we had it scheduled a few months ago. There were some issues. Then we had it scheduled again. I got the flu. And now, finally, finally, I have Mr. Todd Bonner here in the NRM Studios. Todd, thank you so much for being patient with me and uh, and coming down to hang out for an hour, man.
1: Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, how was the drive? I know it's uh, it can get a little dicey getting out this way from the down river area
1: it wasn't too bad. Like I said, Southfield had a little bit of traffic, um, but other than that, it was pretty smooth.
0: Right on. Well, I, I want to open because I, I follow you on social media, and on Facebook you had quite a lengthy mm-hmm. post. We have a beautiful park in uh, the city of Taylor, Heritage Park, and Taylor is about 20 minutes south of Detroit, a giant city. They have everything, and they, they've they dressed up this this park that I've, uh, I've done things in this park my whole life. I played hockey there. Um, my dad and I they sanded a floor in a chapel there some 20 30 years ago, and they have built it up with like cool trails, a bike area. The Little League World Series is there, yep. I believe, in August yep. every year. And uh, you were there the other day, and can you uh just talk about a little bit what happened
1: because it sounds quite crazy. Well, Heritage Park is probably the jewel maybe of Down River. I mean, why not Has some cool Bishop Parks, beautiful and why not? It's a huge park, and they have walking and hiking trails, and it's a family park. Um, so we were doing some work over there. I worked for the city of Taylor, and I heard this engine rev up. And the speed limit's 10 miles an hour, so people have to go slow through. there There's just so many people in the park. This car comes down the opposite way on a one-way street, going probably 60 miles an hour, whips out into the main road, speeds again. I'd say had to be going 80 miles an hour. Hits a turn, a sharp turn, loses control. Spin, it's like something you see on TV. Spins out. Goes on one side of the road, comes back across over the walking path onto the soccer field. Oh. <laughs> Tears out a gun. So I take off, not going fast, and I catch up to him. I get behind him, get his license plate, and he, gets out of the, he wants to fight me. No way. He's, met, he's either high or drunk or something's wrong with him. He's slurring his words. And he looked, like honestly, like he was 16 years old, about 140 pounds. So I'm in a Mark City vehicle. I get on the phone. I call the police. I said, I'm talking to the police right now. You might want to get back in your car. So he jumps back in, pulls out on North Line Road, which is kind of a major road mm-hmm. through Don River. Well, well it's,
0: uh, what, <coughs> it's, uh, five lanes. I mean, two oh, yeah. lanes on each side, a turn lane. It's a, it's a major thoroughfare.
1: And he goes through the red light, right out into the traffic, squeals his tire, spins out again, and takes off towards Telegraph, going west.
0: And then you're pulling right out to through another light at party, and then it it, it can get dicey.
1: Oh, yeah. So the police come you know, a few minutes later, and I'm talking to the officer, and- one of our buddies from work is still back in the park, and he goes, that truck's back again. He just flew through He must have went around, did a circle, came back around the other entrance. So I tell the officer, by that time, there's like six police cars coming from all different directions. And they catch this kid, and uh, he's drunk off his butt. And one thirty in the afternoon in a family park, and luckily they catch him, and there's no one. For some reason, thank God that there was no one in that area because usually there's you know, a lot of seniors walking, um, kids playing, things like that, and there was nobody. So he was lucky enough not to hit anyone, but he did probably $3,000 worth of damage to the park, at least.
0: Well, and very fortunate, it wasn't a warm July day. It because been there could have been hundreds of people there, and there definitely uh, would have been some fatalities. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I'm, wow. I'm surprised
1: he didn't roll his—I mean, hurt himself, even. You know, so hopefully he learns a lesson. They asked me today if I want to press charges against him for threatening me. I'm like— I was never threatened i didn't feel threatened he was like a little kid to me you know what i mean i said luckily he was caught maybe he can get some help you know Mm -hmm. treatment of some sort because it's just still strange to me to see someone that intoxicated in the middle of the day yeah that young you know what i mean at a family park it's kind of weird
0: yeah that is weird and and again heritage park 10 mile an hour kind of loop and then there's a, a path that weaves around like over the road into a
1: little wooded area comes back i mean and that's right where he was going doing all that stuff right in that area where a lot of usual in the summer and it was a nice day yesterday too um just for some reason at that time there was nobody in that area no cars on the road no nobody walking on the path which you know it, it was just luck pure luck
0: well, and the whole area is fortunate that that you actually stopped him when you did and made a phone call because who knows what could have happened had he not stopped that rampage.
1: You know? Who knows where he would, yeah, after that. Who knows mm-hmm. what he was up to, where he was going to go. Um, obviously, he had issues of some sort, but...
0: Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Luckily, luckily, nobody was hurt. And, and you're fine. And, and dude, hopefully get some help, you know, uh, especially at a young age like yeah. that. Um, uh, somebody can reach out and, and this may be that one incident that he realizes, I was out of control, and he straightens up and becomes whoever he is destined to become. Maybe this
1: is his rock bottom that he had to hit and and can change his life. Hopefully. You never know.
0: Hopefully. Hopefully. But let's start at the beginning, man. You know, uh, I am a lifelong downriver resident, and um, and, uh, let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up, and and how
1: was childhood for you? I grew up in Taylor. Um, I went to uh, Catholic schools. I went to St. John's, and I went to Cabrini High School in Allen Park. Um, my dad was a police officer for 34 years in Taylor and actually the pe- police chief of Taylor, um, to finish his career. So my first, um, paranormal experience, well, I had a near-death experience when I was young. Um, I'm older, so back in the day, they used to take your tonsils out, but they'd cut them out. Now they kind of burn them off or whatever. So they cut my tonsils out, and I was in the hospital, they stitched me up, I wanted to go home, so I started screaming. It ripped my tonsils open, and I bled out, I had to get a blood transfusion, um, I'll never forget that feeling of, first, the taste of blood ever my whole entire life, but it was, blood was everywhere. And then that calmness, The first it was a panic, and then the calmness. I felt calm because I was going, you know, they had to do emergency blood transfusion. Um, I was probably eight years old at that time. And then I had a paranormal experience, um, I was in high school, we used to sneak into LOEs. Um So this is probably 1987-ish. Um, A girl I was dating at the time, we went in the basement, away from, we were a small group, like six, seven of us. We went in the basement, of one of the large buildings isn't there anymore. And um, I heard a disembodied voice. Uh, It was a male voice telling us to get out. Um, At that point, it freaked me out. The hair on the back of my neck stood up, and I knew. Anyway, we just checked, just to make sure, but I knew in my mind, and I felt that it wasn't a person there. Um,
0: And I have to (coughs) say, Eloise was an insane asylum i don't know a ton of the history of the building but when i was in high school as well it was well known that people would sneak that in was there was a place to go to hang yeah, out yeah and... and some of my friends are like dude there's tunnels in the basement big enough for an ambulance to drive through i mean look at the hair on my body standing up just talking about it because they're like there's like satanic stuff graffiti down the wall there's files i mean the the stories were endless and they're all true
1: because i went in the tunnels and I saw the uh, pentagrams and uh, files. I mean, you, we were going through files of, you know from the early 1900s and, and mid-1900s. Um,
0: and so in high school, you guys go in there. You hear, I can't even imagine what I would do at that age, being there already probably scared out of my gourd, and then to hear something.
1: Oh, yeah, it was it's something I, It stuck with me forever. Um, but I was um, an athlete, uh, played sports. Um, my father was a police officer. And you're taught, it's kind of ingrained in you that ghosts don't exist. Um, those things aren't real. So I kind of didn't pursue it until I got older, where I kind of said I don't care really what people think about me at this point in my life. I'm going to pursue this because I have interest in it. It's always kind of quote-unquote haunted me. Um, and I wanted to see exactly what this was and, and find out what's on the other side. Because I have strong faith Um and I believe there's more than us in this universe. And whether things are crossing over or it's past loved ones or um, human energies or whatnot, I'm, I'm so curious and it, it's, it gives me a rush. I'm afraid of heights, deathly afraid of heights. And this is kind of my, I get a rush going into these places. There are abandoned buildings a lot of the time and um, I get scared sometimes. I love that feeling too. It's just, uh, it's so hard to explain to people unless you're actually in that moment and you have a passion for it.
0: And see, we were talking a little bit before the show, and I was already like, man, I'm already, I am already got episode two with Todd Bonner in my head because I believe in a common consciousness. I believe that consciousness doesn't die, that it's up there, and I think about it in a positive way. Like, if I can vibrate on the same uh, level as Jimi Hendrix, I can play guitar fairly well. I'll have to learn the dexterity. And that's my explanation for savants and, and things right. of that nature. That's how I understand it. We're all vibration. Um, but I've never really given a ton of thought to the paranormal, to apparitions, to uh, people being able to move things with their mind or, or poltergeist or any of that. And um and, and that's why I said we could have a whole hour, another hour, maybe part two with Todd Bonner. You know, as you guys know, my guess we 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 need like multiple episodes, but we're going to stick to the basics sort of here. Um, so you're in Eloise in your in your teens, in your high school years with your friends. And um, and what happens after that? You know, as you graduate high school and you move on with your with your normal everyday life, becoming a fine, upstanding member of society like you're supposed to. How does the uh, transition happen?
1: I think, um, you know, in the, I think when Ghost Hunters came out, it kind of made it mainstream a little bit more. I've always been um, interested in horror movies. I love horror movies. My first movie I ever saw was the Exorcist. So <laughs> I, I've, it kind of, they go hand in hand, the paranormal and horror, a mm-hmm. little bit, because um, you see that stuff on movies and TV, and then I'm actually going into those places, real life places. Um, So I think when that kind of came out and made things mainstream, it wasn't as taboo because back in the 80s, you couldn't just say, "Hey, I saw," they'd put you in a mental institution. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? so now you can openly – we're talking about it right now. You can talk about it openly without looking like you're weird or strange.
0: Yeah, people have a little bit <coughs> of an
1: open mind
0: uh, as over the last 20, 20 years yeah, or it's so, changed. People are, are willing to at least listen mm-hmm. and not immediately write you off, no matter how fringy your thought process is. I mean, I meditate and, and do yoga and continue to do different things on a, on a high level, and people ask me how, and instead of writing me off, they actually are like, hmm… Hmm, that's a little strange, but hmm. And when it comes to ghosts and the paranormal, uh, I think we have, uh, people are will at least listen and yeah. give it a chance. Even
1: if you're a skeptic, and I'm still skeptical because you hear so many stories, I'm the type of person that has to see it to believe it feel it myself. Um, but I'm more comfortable talking about it now. and uh, I actually love talking about it, and, and people, even if they don't truly believe in it, the stories are still interesting. I mean, I can't explain all the stuff that's happened to me, um, and it's all true. You know, I can't make this stuff up.
0: Now, when it, when it happened when in 86, 87, your first time in Eloise, did you talk about it at all? Like, um, did, you, did you leave there, or did you just tuck it back in the back? I, I kept
1: it with me. And we went, we went back a few more times. Uh, the last time we really went there, we were chased out. I think it was, like, the police, where Wayne County sheriffs used to patrol that. And we were in a tunnel, and we... Kind of freaked out. We just didn't go back anymore. But it always stuck with me. So as I got older, Eloise was still there. A lot of the buildings were torn down, but they left a few buildings up, which Mm -hmm. we go to now. But I've always wanted to get in there. I've always wanted to investigate that place, especially when I really got into the paranormal, which I I joined a team probably eight years ago, nine years ago. I was on that team for a few years. And then uh, Jeff Atkins and I started Detroit Paranormal Expeditions in December of 2016.
0: Okay. All right. So So we're fairly
1: new as a team, a little over three years old.
0: Well, I had a little bit of an experience. Uh, I bought a house uh, roughly about a hundred years old. And, um, you know, there were some lights flickering and uh, there were some handprints on the wall. And I told the, whatever it was, you know, if you shut off the light, I'm out. And the light never flickered again. There's been sounds. you hear kids running up and down the stairs. Uh, My mom has heard them, my wife has heard them. Uh, you know, it, it just is what it is. It doesn't bother me much. I'm like, I'm a little kid, so you guys got the best landlord because that's what I am. Right. Uh, early on, I posted a picture and I think, Downriver Ghost Hunters or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to come to your house. And I said, well, that's cool. But you're not because I don't want to disrupt them. And we're friends, and we're cool with that. Uh, do you get a lot of local people reaching out and saying, you know— uh, my house is haunted. Can, what, what can you do for that?
1: We have, get a ton of requests. Um, we don't do really residential anymore. We had a few bad experiences because a lot of times you don't know whose house you're walking into. You're total strangers, you know what I mean? And Unfortunately, there's been a few times people have had mental illness, and there weren't really anything paranormal. Um, so we kind of stay away from that stuff, and we do bigger buildings and do public events and stuff like that. Um, but people reach out all the time. They send us videos. It's interesting. A lot of times it's dust. Um, they show up on the camera. Look, they think it's orbs or things like that. But it's um it's taken a life of its own. We get a lot of requests, a lot of emails, a lot of messages on Facebook. Um, we have teams that we work with that we kind of give those to that do handle residential because you never know. Like I said, what you're walking into. Right. It's not right. safe. I worry about our safety, our, our team safety before anything else.
0: Now, um, a good friend of mine used to have a an apartment at the Traverse City uh, State Hospital. Yes. Um, In about, I think it had to be the early 90s, I actually drove there. I was working all night, and a friend of mine said, hey, Gerald, this is something you'd be into. Uh, The Traverse City Insane Asylum is having a rummage sale. And I seriously, I worked from midnight to 8 o'clock. I got in my car, drove straight to Traverse City, and it was one of the creepiest buildings I had ever been in. I bought some room key tags. I have some... uh, really disturbing medical devices and things oh, that's just great, just actually. different things yeah. that i could afford you know i was like 21 22 years old i really wanted a straight jacket the dealers had pretty much looted the place by the time I got there, so I really didn't get too much. Have you uh, had a chance to visit other sites around the state of Michigan like Eloise or, or places that are maybe uh, you've uh, reported haunted? In, in... I mean,
1: the asylums, Eloise is 200,000 square feet. Um, the really? D building is where we go to. Yeah, it's pretty big.
0: I didn't realize it was that big.
1: Yeah, it's five floors and a basement. Um, I've been to, there's a place in West Virginia called Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum that's pretty big. We've investigated there before. Waverly Hills in Kentucky, wow. we've been there. Um, Michigan, unfortunately, does not preserve history very well. So a lot of the asylums, there was a lot in Michigan, Northville, Pontiac.
0: Northville, um, yes, Ypsilanti, I forgot Northville. Um,
1: There's probably eight or nine in Michigan. They're all they're all gone except Traverse City, Eloise, and then in Newberry. Um, Newberry State Hospital is still operational, but it's a prison now. So they, they use some of the hospital, but it's a maximum security prison. What? Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I thought it was crazy that they made loft apartments out of the Traverse City uh, State Hospital, but uh, it's a prison now? Up in
1: the Upper Peninsula, Newberry, yeah. No And you can't way. get close to it. Like We tried to go look at it from a distance, and the, they'll come right up to you and say you've got to leave off the property. Really? Yeah. So they use some of it, but the other parts of the buildings, like the cottages that were for maybe female patients, mental patients, and male, are falling apart. But um, the bigger building is used part of the uh, the prison up there.
0: Wow! Wow! Wha-
1: I mean, I-, they keep, I mean, we're we're really in a big historical preservation. We love what Traverse City State Hospital has done. Um, Eloise is the developers trying to turn it into a hotel. Believe it or not, haunted hotel, paranormal themed hotel. Um, and Newberry is repurposed for a Parisian. and they could be repurposed for other things, just like Traverse City. You know, but they tear them down.
0: You know, it would probably be crazy is our uh, Masonic temple downtown.
1: You yeah, I've investigated there. It's a pretty, pretty active place. Oh, really? Yeah. You've been in there? Yeah. I,
0: I've been there. I'm a Mason. I've been in there for meetings and stuff. And it is creepy because I've taken the steps up to the fifth floor. That's where the meetings are. And uh, the floor is being empty. And there's just an uncomfortable feeling as. And I'm like, man, I should have just taken the elevator. This just. Uh, it's, it's, it's got creepy. a creepiness
1: to it, but it's so beautiful too. Some of those chambers and ceremony chambers and how. Um, the beauty of them, you know, but it was—it's was pretty haunted. We got a few few things that were over there.
0: Wow, wow! Now, uh, you know, if 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 somebody uh, is listening, uh, can you talk about how how you actually took that step to get in to reach out to other people and start investigating? I know you mentioned, you know, as ghost hunters got the popularity grew, um, you know, I'm sure many of our listeners from across the world are like, you know, I'd like to get into that. How would I? How where would I even start?
1: Um. The way, I, the way I first started and got on the original team, um, the girl I was dating at the time, one of her friends had a team she had went to high school with. So my girlfriend knew I was interested in this stuff, so kind of connected us, and that's how that started. Um, when Jeff and I started our team, we had nothing. We started with nothing. Um, no social media. Um, we had to build it from the ground up. And I just started reaching out to as many historical societies, historical landmarks um, as I could to see if we can get in. And the ones that said yes, we investigated. At that time, I got turned down a lot, but I'm pretty, I don't take no for an answer, so I'm pr- I'll keep getting back to them, getting back to them. So I can talk to somebody, once they get to know me, it seems like they're like, oh, you're not goofy like we would think, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people still think that's kind of weird. Um, but now, because we're fairly popular, um, people reach out to us, so we're, we're lucky in that aspect. It's not as hard to get into places anymore as it was in the beginning.
0: Well, and there's something to be said for longevity. You know, if, if you walk in, you say, I've been doing this for the last 15 years, um, people will listen a little, right. little more. You know, and if you say, you know, we've been here like you just did. You know, I've been down to West Virginia, up to here, over to here. And, and they're like, whoa. Well, they let them look there, you know. Uh, the first thing that just popped into my head, because in the metro Detroit area, we had such a history during Prohibition. Right. And I live in in uh wyandotte and right across the river is gros and there's plenty of houses there that are old with tunnels to the water and i'm sure there is some amazing uh energy if you will down in that area um you know creepiest place you've been so far
1: there is a place i mean the most uh, the place i've had my craziest experience and a place i was actually scared at is in the upper peninsula it's in a town called caspian michigan it's probably about 12 hours from Downriver area. Okay. Um, you got to go through Wisconsin to get to it. That, that's how far it is in the UP. Um, it's a historical society. It's Iron County Historical Society. And they have um, 27 buildings brought in from the area on this museum. It's like a miniature greenfield village, I, I would call it. It's what it seems like to me. Um, there's a house there called the Carrie Jacobs Bond House. And she was a famous American musician back in the early 1900s. Uh, she was actually the first female musician to sell a million copies of her record that no one knows about. You know, it's, that's another part of the history. I love finding out this I would have never known about this stuff. So we investigated her house, and nothing really happened. We were there. But one of the girls on the team found uh, on YouTube one of her songs and started playing her song. So we use a thing called a K2 meter, <laughs> and it reads electromagnetic field. So a lot of times when... Suppose that energies are in the area, they give off some kind of electromagnetic field energy. It'll kick out. So this reads it. So I had it next to me. We didn't have our video camera going at the time, but we had a digital recorder. And it's pitch black. And she says, I can start I start to feel cold around my leg. And then the other girl sees like a mist in front of her. She goes, I can't see across the room because there's like a white mist. And this thing starts moving on the couch. Now, it's about five inches long, two inches wide. I'm not noticing it at the time, because it's pitch black, and it starts to light up. Now, it, when it lights up just a little bit, there's like five lights on it, green. And when it lights up all the way up and spikes, it'll go to red. So I see it out of the corner of my eye go up to red, and it's subtly moving. And you can hear it on the digital recorder, and it flies off the couch that I'm on. hits the girl in the leg. We all jump up screaming. And um, Jeff is upstairs, and he hears us. I'm, I'm probably screaming like a girl, too. And it's all on we capture on, on audio, which is good. We run out of the run out of this house. Um, Lauren on the team starts crying because she's so shook up. It was something that whatever was there had enough energy to throw this thing off the couch and hit her in the leg. Mm-hmm. So we regroup and Jeff and I are talking. I'm like, I'm gonna man up and go back in there. I don't want I had a really bad feeling. Like that my intuition kicked in and said, Don't go back in there. Stay out of there, but I went so back in anyway.
0: So it's sort of like, hey, this milk is spoiled. You taste it, right? Like you have this. <laughs> I don't think I'd be going back in there.
1: But I, I figured we drove all this way. Something like this profoundly happened. You know, something that's never happened to me. I've never seen before. And I said, it's just a spirit. You know, I'm a, I'm a human. I'm a man. I'm stronger than this. Let's go back in there. So we go in there for two minutes. Um, we take a digital recorder. We start asking a few questions. And the way this is laid out, we were in the parlor area. And the front, it's a front door parlor area. Then the stairs go upstairs to like a spiral staircase. And it's all like right where we're at. So in the back of the house, we can hear footsteps. Like it sounds like heavy boot footsteps walking towards the stairwell, towards where we are. At the top of the stairs, a loud thud and then something running down the stairs, like running towards us down the stairs. Now to get out of this place, I freak out again. I had to run by where that noise was coming from, out the front door. That, that's the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. Really? Yes. I,
0: I can't even imagine. <clears throat> I can't imagine because, um, and, and really, uh, there's no way to approach it. It's out of your control completely. The only thing, and this isn't even remotely the same, is the first time I went out on a cruise ship, and I was at the whim of Mother Nature. Anything could happen, and I have no control. And for a few minutes, I was a little like, this is a little weird. Now, when you're in a place like that, you are possibly invading something space that doesn't want you to be there, Um, and you're at their whim uh, with really uh, not, there is no research you can do and say, okay, I know that this will be able to combat this. I know if this happens, I can do this. You have nothing to relate it to.
1: You just go off your own instincts at that point. And, I mean, my mind wanted me to stay there. I wanted to stay there to see what was happening. I wanted to see what was coming down the stairs. I wanted to see what was coming. But my, it was like a fight or flight instinct. was like, get up and go. I couldn't even, like, control. I just, my body made myself get up and run out the door. And I left Jeff. He's like, (laughs) he freaked out. You know, I was just worried about myself getting out the door. But it was, um. Something I'll never forget will always stick with me. Um, we caught a little bit in audio. We got a little bit of that me running out and Jeff running out on video. Um, we went back a second time, you know, about six months later. I didn't want to go in that house, but I finally talked myself to go in there. And, again, we heard the footsteps. I, I You can hear me on the recorder go. I don't want to say this, but if there's anyone in this house coming to this bedroom that we're in. And, sure enough, the same boot steps, walking right into the room that we're in. And I just got up, and I wasn't... I wasn't as scared this time, but I was like, "Why am I doing this?" You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, "I'm inviting this thing, and it's like doing coming to me when I ask it to come in this room." And um, very haunted place, very very haunted place.
0: Now, do you ever worry about um, these things, uh, these evil entities uh, following you home?
1: Um, yeah, uh, I, I attaching have. Attaching to something. Children, um, so I make sure you know we, we say prayers and stuff, and I wear bracelets and i have stones and stuff with me i keep on me all the time because that can happen where they will attach to you um a lot of times they use your energy you know to gain their energy Uh, we have flashlight batteries die and your cell phone will die for no reason 100 percent it'll go down to one percent and totally shut off in a matter of two minutes um but the theory is this is not scientific that um energies And I I believe this to a certain extent because we're all energies Mm -hmm. when we're alive. So when you die, why do some energies stay? I mean, some energies linger for some reason. And for them to gain um, strength to move things or even form a shadow figure, they have to get energy from somewhere. And a lot of times it seems like it's our batteries from phones or um, equipment using your energy even. You can feel drained. There's a lot of times I'll feel drained um after investigation i'm tired for a couple days Like really wore out they call it the paranormal hangover because i feel like you're hungover.
0: yeah and it makes total sense to me because everything is vibration if you believe albert einstein you know energy never goes away it just takes different form and uh it makes perfect sense to me i uh brought up a gentleman named Phil Stone in the opening monologue. Mm-hmm. And I asked him about something because he does some really crazy artwork. And he recently finished a book uh, like the Necronomicon or something. And I said, you possessed by a demon, Phil, because he went into how he was 100% in. So he had chanting going on the audio he had i mean he really Mm -hmm. got into it and he told me that now in his workspace his cell phone will not work around his desk if he has to make a phone call he has to move to the other side he could have
1: brought something in or
0: well i don't
1: mess we even ouija boards we don't mess with um we use things called spirit boxes they're custom-made boxes that we use like hack radios or sometimes even apps Um, and they scan radio frequencies nonstop. They're hack where they just keep going, going, going. And you can control the speed, and sometimes you'll get sentences and words. And the theory is that um, energies can use radio frequencies or white noise to communicate. We've had a lot of success with that. And I guess that's still kind of like a Ouija board, but we're not inviting anything in. Um, Some people do that. I just... Dem- demonic and demons, I, I truly believe in. I think if you invite something like that into your life, it can cause a lot of havoc and a lot of damage.
0: I, I agree 110%. Um, you you brought up, uh, you know, having a, a, a measuring device, something with you. Uh, where, do you build it yourself? No. I mean, it's not like it's not – but I, I don't think I can go on like, you know uh, – ghosthuntermachine.com and find these kinds of things, how do you discover uh, new scientific measuring devices for the field of the paranormal?
1: There are, um, like I said, the spirit boxes are custom-made. We have a few that are built. There's a few builders that build those, around, maybe four or five in the world. Um, one is a good friend of mine and he actually has taken wood from Eloise and built us boxes that are, Oh, they look like old radios from the you know 30s and 40s is what they look like, really. Um, there are guys that build, again, these are guys that are into the paranormal. We don't know if this is really what works. It seems like it gets results. Um, but a lot of times it's just digital recorder and a flashlight. I don't need all the fancy bells and whistles because the, the equipment is expensive. I think one of the boxes we have was going on eBay for $15,000. No way. They're not cheap, so... You know, I'm just a digital recorder. It seems like the the most evidence most people capture is with a digital recorder, um, your phone, even um, video. A lot of times, just basic stuff.
0: Well, and you talked about frequency, and, and that's you know that's what all of our electronic devices right. run on. So if there's going to be an anomaly, that is as good as anything to capture it. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, I've seen photos with orbs and and different things. What do you say? Because I believe the power of suggestion is very strong. That's true. You know, if, if, if I'm reading a book and I'm going to see what I want to see in that book or uh, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You're going to see what your expectation sort of builds yep. up. Now, uh, as you're walking into this house in the middle of nowhere, you have no expectation. You no, You are walking in totally like, there may be something here. I don't know what it is. I don't have a clue how it's going to act. So, but what do you say to the person who says, you know, ah, it's just, you know, you, you see what you want to see. You know, what do you say to those people?
1: We, um, we do a lot of presentations and lectures and we actually went back to that historical site and they have a huge hall and in the, in the, the city of Caspian has probably 700 people total. So, Um, When we went back, we ended up making their newspaper like year in review because this was big news when we came up there. Um, So 200-some people came for a lecture, and we played the evidence, kind of reviewed what we went over. And we had older people that were like, you know, I don't believe in that stuff, but let me tell you the story that happened to me. You know, that's what usually happens. And they're like, you just told me a paranormal story. You don't believe in it, but you're telling me something that happened to you. Um, I don't ever try to convince anyone. Um, we just put our evidence out there. It's on our website. Uh, we'll put it on our Facebook You know, videos, and you just come up with your own conclusion. You know what I mean?
0: I like it. I like it a lot because you let somebody else draw their own conclusion right. from your evidence. And right. You say, here's what we saw. Here's what we believe you know it's up to you whatever you whatever floats your boat yeah. but this is where we're at and i think that's a great way to handle it especially to you know you're not out to convince anybody no. of every anything and i like that i like that a lot
1: but i think what we do i, I mean i f- obviously find it interesting but i think even people that like i was saying don't believe in this stuff the evidence that we have and the stories that we can tell they're like wow it's pretty cool to hear this stuff
0: mhm Mm-hmm. And and the uh, uh, television shows that I mean the the um, some of the ghost hunters and different st- different TV shows like that on Discovery Channel and in the Travel Channel right. uh, they have quite a viewership. People are very interested, mm-hmm. and you have been fortunate enough to to be featured on some big platforms. How did that happen?
1: Um, again, I think it's just us um, having our evidence and our popularity growing, and people. Um, thinking we're credible you know what i mean and you know with these tv shows they'll reach out to us and and talk to us and interview us and like well we want to put you on you know we love your story or um you know eloise was a good one destination fear was on a, a few months ago um they did it at eloise and it was a new show they got renewed for a second season but the cast is one paranormal guy and he gets his sister and his best friends to come on this journey of all these you know scary places trying to overcome their fears and uh they are genuine they're they're good people they're they're not um they're new at it so it's kind of fun to watch them uh go through this but you know the stuff I talked to them and told them about Eloise it happened to them on camera you know some of the stuff it was so it was kind of it was so weird to watch that happen you know I said here's what happens to us you guys might experience it and everything I said pretty much happened they were able to capture on film
0: No way. Now, Eloise, and you brought it up earlier, you know, it it is patrolled by the police. I mean, I I know, I have some friends who were chased out of there Mm -hmm. over the last, you know, 20, 30 years. How how has the city been to, do you contact the city? What is it in Wayne, I think? Westland. Westland. Yeah. So do you have to contact Westland and say, we want to build, bring a filming crew to Eloise?
1: No, the 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 owner that bought that is is a friend of mine. Um, And we host a lot of tours there, take people on the historical tours and paranormal tours. So once the popularity got out, TV shows started contacting us about, you know, LOEs, and we also go to the 6th Precinct in Detroit over the old McGraw 6th Precinct in mm-hmm. southwest Detroit's Haunted. A friend of mine owns that. Um, there's a farm in Taylor called the Norris Farm. It's very haunted. It's, uh, it's not well known. Um, we were on TV about that and Haunted Case Files and Travel Channel. So a lot of the, the, the cases and experiences we've had, I've turned into TV shows, little segments and stuff like that. So it's been really, really cool.
0: Yeah, that is super cool because, I mean, I think no matter what town you go in, I I believe that any of the, especially like the small farm towns and Mm -hmm. things, if you can cultivate a conversation with the people who've been there for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, uh, you would get more of what you got in your presentation up north where you're like, uh, you know, we experienced this. And a gentleman or a young lady in the audience, will say, you know, I don't like what exactly what you said. I don't believe in that, but this happened right. to me.
1: It always amazes me. It's it's funny, and a lot of times it's older older people, you know, in their seventies and eighties, that you know are, are huge skeptics, and they'll say, you know, this is. I don't know if I believe in this stuff, but let me tell you something that happened to me when I was, you know, young, and um, it's 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 crazy. I'm like, well, that was a paranormal experience. You had one, so. You know? Well, in that
0: generation, it's tough because uh, they they were brought up very Christian-based, mm-hmm. you know, and in and, and believing in God. And so to actually accept that there are evil entities around or whatever, it, it, it goes against everything that they have been... Uh, that they have believed for the last, you know, seven decades of their life or 80 or however old they are. I mean, it's not easy, Mm -mm. no matter what proof you present.
1: No, my dad um, passed away three years ago. And like I said, he was a police officer. He was totally against it. You know, he always called me a goof or that stuff's not real. But, I mean, police are all fact and science-based. And, you know, detective-wise investigations, they want the facts, not hearsay or or, – paranormal stuff or anything like that um lately though there's been police officers we had one on our team recently um who was into the paranormal that is an active police officer so it's changing you know the opinions are changing and i think that gives just more credibility to it i guess when you start seeing people that you don't normally see involved in the paranormal starting to come into the paranormal you know Mm -hmm. they're even um i always call it come out of the paranormal closet um, and being open about it you know what i mean instead of being closed-minded just opening yourself up to it because i think once i had my first paranormal experience you kind of open yourself up to things that you that door just shut on its own oh that was the wind you rationalize everything well maybe it wasn't maybe maybe that window shut on because something shut it or the door shut because someone shut it it wasn't the wind um but i think once you have that it's a it's, it's almost like a spiritual experience so you open yourself up to that that these things are possibilities you see a lot more in life Mm -hmm. you notice a lot more
0: now in in your uh, expert field um, is there anybody ahead of the game and what I mean by that is uh, we brought up a few times that especially in the Western world in the United States people need to see measurement they need to see fact they need to see a definitive or, or definitive proof mm-hmm. that something happened, something changed. Is there anybody leading the way in that technology in the field of the paranormal?
1: I think as technology gets better, even you know iPhones or, or any kind of phone, the, the cameras are phenomenal now. You know, mm-hmm. and I think with the video and, and people taking uh, – you see it almost anywhere. You can't get away with any crime entirely, markets. People have videos and cameras. It's the same way with the paranormal. People – you know, we do a lot of tours, and people take pictures and and video, and they'll send us some sh- pictures of shadow figures just on a camera phone. I mean, you don't need. I would say you don't need high tech stuff. It's just take pictures and video or audio, and and you'll be surprised at what you get sometimes.
0: I think of, like, electromagnetic frequencies. You brought that up. I like a gentleman named Dr. Joe Dispenza. And from a a different perspective, not the paranormal, he's measuring, like, magnetism of the heart and how Mm -hmm. far that goes out, magnetism of the brain. And and they're developing new technology in Europe that isn't FDA-approved over here in the U.S. that can measure those things. I think of devices like that in your field. You know, if you can walk into a room and say the base is this megahertz, when we walk into that room, it either goes all the way down here, that's way past Changes, any right. kind of uh, normal uh, change, and there is definitely something there. I think of those kinds of
1: things. I think it won't be taken seriously, and I, I probably I probably never will, unless the federal government puts a lot of money into like research of it. It'd have to be a controlled environment where they can control the temperature, the weather, um, day and night. Because uh, they, they base... Scientific facts off samples, consistent samples, all the time. And to do the paranormal, you'd have to have, I guess, a haunted location in a bubble where you can control everything, you Mm -hmm. know, and study it for a year and see what really that stuff is.
0: And the craziest thing, well, virtually impossible, is, you know, you write a paper and you put it out and it's peer reviewed and nobody can recreate it. Because right. it was an isolated incident yeah. that you can never recreate, no matter how much evidence you have, and so it's going to be. It ba- is
1: hard to recreate. Um, paranormal. Every even people that do the paranormal, other teams or groups, they never get the same thing that other teams get. It's always something different. I mean, sometimes it'd be similar, and even places we go to, we went there once, we don't get the same thing again. You know why is it? We don't know why it's like that. Um, you're talking about like scientific stuff. I remember Thomas Edison and Tesla. We're having a um, competition to make a ghost, a spirit phone to communicate. They use crystals and um, things like that. So that was even talked about back then when Tesla was younger and Thomas Edison was kind of getting older. Um, They thought it was kind of a joke, but I still read the studies on it. I think they were pretty serious on it, trying to communicate with with the dead or their loved ones.
0: Well, both of those gentlemen believe the way I believe Tesla and Edison Edison used to sit in a half meditative state holding two metal balls with a metal bowl in his lap and he would meditate about uh, and he didn't call it meditation but he would get in this half translucent kind of state and And when he would fall asleep, he'd drop the balls into the bowl and wake him up. And that's where he came up with a ton of his inventions. Mm -hmm. By connecting to something higher, a higher consciousness, Tesla did the same thing. So I'm not shocked that those gentlemen were trying to, Mm -hmm. if, if you could contact another dimension, uh, contact that. And on that note, I want to ask you about Houdini because many people don't know that he spent a bunch of the later part of his life, I mean, going to Congress Mm -hmm. to prove that psychics were fake. And he said that if, if they are not, I will make an appearance. I believe this, I don't know, don't quote me, but I will um, make an appearance. I will come back from the dead and make it obvious. And people to this day hold seances on Halloween trying to contact Harry Houdini. And to my knowledge, nobody actually has evidence that they've contacted him.
1: He claimed if there was anything paranormal or ghosts, he would be able to come back and communicate. So they do do that in San Francisco, I think, every year on his birthday or his death of his, his death day, actually. Yeah. um And his last performance was here in Detroit. He died in Detroit. Um, that theater is tore down, but the funeral home is still up over on Cass Avenue where he was taken to. Um, and that was a poorly haunted, but it's in such disrepair now you can't get inside there. Um, and Christopher on our team is an um, illusionist and a, a magician. Oh, very so cool. He does a straight jacket thing, escapes a straight jacket. And he's an extreme illusionist, though. He'll pound the... Nails in his head and uh, weird stuff. But uh, it's entertaining and he's a great guy. But he does um, tarot card type stuff to communicate with Houdini and his wife um, with limited success. But um, we have not... You have
0: to introduce me to that dude because the big—he
1: goes by the stage name, the Big Icky.
0: Okay, because at at a very uh, informative time in my life, I was a huge fan of like uh, Fakirs and different people. Uh, This guy Zamora, who I watched do some of the craziest stuff right in front of my face. I mean, the nuttiest things like that, and. uh, those gentlemen are out of control, and and it's all true. I mean, I watch these guys swallow razor blades oh, yeah. and He'd... pull them out. I mean, just nutty stuff when it comes to illusionists and different things of that. I don't nature. know
1: how he does it. I mean, his, the straitjacket thing's just crazy. He can get out of it so quick. But cool. it's like he pops his shoulder. It's just weird to watch.
0: Now, when you're not, uh, you know, catching crazy drunk sixteen-year-olds ripping around parks and 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 out there investigating paranormal activity, what are you doing? What do you do for fun?
1: I um, have three kids that drive me insane, so I I run chase after them. Uh, they're twelve, fourteen, and sixteen. Uh, my daughter just got her license, so that's a whole uh, whole other thing, right There's now. There's paranormal activity yeah. right there. <laughs> It's, uh, it's something else, and I, I, have a, I work for the city of Taylor. I've been there 26 years, so I, I, have, a, I have a normal life. Um, the paranormal has taken kind of like a life of its own. It's like a second job, but it's a job I love. I, I've been very blessed and I'm fortunate to do the things I'm doing.
0: Now, is Halloween just nuts in in Oh, it in starts in world? September.
1: September, we get booked for so many things, and we go from probably the middle of September to God, maybe the first weekend in November, pretty much nonstop.
0: And are you investigating? Are you doing presentations? What kind of things are we're, you doing? We're doing a
1: lot of appearances. We do a lot of tours. Um, we do LOEs in the 6th Precinct. And we have a newer place on the Grozeal um, on the old Naval Base. It's called yeah. the Pilot House. We're, uh, we're, we've done a couple investigations there. And the owner lets us do, we bring the public in and do like a public tour and, and a little, you know, investigation with them. It's a cool place.
0: Well, I can't imagine the history on Grozio because Groziel is it, – it sits in the Detroit River. De- the Detroit River uh – Basically separates Michigan from Canada. And during Prohibition, I mean, my ancestors were down there, Rum Runners Mm -hmm. and Rouge and stuff. And Grozeal was a perfect spot for them to walk across the ice or however they were going to get to and drop off some booze and get it into the U.S. Mm. Those The tunnels, the naval base, there had to be a lot of scandalous activity going on on Grozeal.
1: And people forget about that they had a naval base on Grozeal. I mean, uh, not Goodyear, much is there.
0: Yeah, the Goodyear blimp still, or another blimps mm-hmm. still dock at the end of Zeal. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they. It really is a phenomenal place because it's not that big, Mm-mm. and and, it, and where it's positioned with with Lake Erie down uh, the uh, south end, and then heading into Detroit, uh, there's there's a ton of history. There is there. a lot. And I can't imagine the hauntings that uh, the gangsters, the Purple Gang. I mean, we've had uh, just as much as as Al Capone and everybody else oh, in the city of Detroit.
1: Especially, Wyandotte had a lot of, um, we investigated the Chaz Bar, the old Chaz Bar. Oh, yeah. My friend Steve Malley owns that. He owns Malley's in Southgate. Well, he owns that. He's turned into like a, I don't know if he's done with it yet, like a martini bar or something. Um, but that was rumored to be a speakeasy for the Purple Gang. So I went to the. Uh, Wynet Library and the Historical Society did a bunch of research, and I did find that it was a speakeasy that was a, uh, busted a few times. So when he's doing the restorations, <clears throat> Steve found a wallet inside the wall, buried inside the wall, and a bunch of clothes. And this wallet had the guy's ID. He had died in 1964. Um, his ID, social security number, uh, I think he was in the Marines, but like a regular wallet was buried inside this wall. No one knows why. Um, we end up contacting His family through Facebook reached out to me just this past year, and um, his son, um, I think he was probably in his 60s, and Steve was going to, I don't know if Steve ever contacted, you know, got together and gave him the wallet back, but uh, he said, my dad died when I was two years old or something like that, real young when he died, and this is the only thing they have of him um, left, but it was just a weird, you know, we went there for the Purple Gang and a speakeasy, because that's what we heard it was, and then they found all the stuff buried inside the walls when they were doing restoration
0: i had no idea that the chaz was had that kind of a history because it is seriously like a quarter mile from my house oh really um i have watched over the last couple years the restoration of it It it's been it looks beautiful but it's sort of half done right now to make it like a whiskey bar or something or other but um i had no idea no idea and the purple gang i did some research because uh, I owned a skateboard company called Purple Heart, and now it's a clothing company. And I'm like, hmm, maybe we should call each other the Purple Gang. That would be cool. And it it ties to Detroit. Right. And when you do the research, they were gnarly. Oh. Gnarly. Like Al Capone wouldn't even come to Detroit yeah. because the Purple Gang was so gnarly.
1: And a Jewish um, gang. They muscled a lot of people. And the Tokos actually ran them out, and they were from Wyandotte, um, the Italian Mafia. The mansion, one of the Toko's mansions, is still right. It's right on the water there, just just past uh, right on Biddle. Yeah, there a ton of tons of but people don't remember or talk about because it, it's kind of bad history, I guess. But it's uh, all that stuff happened. A lot of not was like a shoot 'em up town. Police were killed there by the gangs and um, a lot of murders. I didn't realize that till I did the research for the Jazz Bar. Went back in time and looked at all the newspaper clippings and. It's crazy.
0: I had no idea. I had no idea. You know, growing up in Riverview, which we actually shared the zip code with Wyandotte mm-hmm. and now living in Wyandotte and spending a lot of time in the downtown area. And I know, you know, we have buildings from the 1800s mm-hmm. and it has a ton of history. So I, I, I'm not surprised that during that time, especially in the 20s, that uh, a lot of, uh, again, I'll say it, scandalous kind of things would would happen down there because the waterfront, it, it's a straight shot right to Detroit yep. and, and an easier lift to uh, breach the border down in the dot area. And they
1: used to bring it up from Toledo because in Ohio it wasn't illegal, so they bring stuff up from Toledo. And it was just you don't really re- realize that that really went on. And that's, like I say, when we do um, these locations, we do a ton of research of the history to find out. And that's, we find out so many different things. And I'm born and raised in Michigan. You know, and I find out so much new stuff all the time. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. Do you have any um, upcoming
0: investigations planned? Do you uh, what's what's in the in the near future for uh, the Detroit Paranormal Investigators?
1: Uh, in February, we're gonna do we're gonna work with the uh, Clawson Historical Society. They have a, a house they want us to investigate, and then we'll go back and do a presentation um, to their members or to the public. And usually, what we'll do is we'll let them charge people, so the money goes back you know, 100% back to the Historical Society. We're going to do that in February, and then we're going to do a public event at the Pilot House, February 15th, back on Grozeal. Um, we got a couple things. We're going to go to St. Louis in March, um, do an old theater right out of St. Louis. Uh, a friend of mine lives there, and she wants us to come out and do that. Um, we just take it day by, day by day. We're going to West Virginia. We're going to a place called Sweet Spring Sanitarium. It's a huge sanitarium um, built in 1850, I think. Um, we're going to do that in April, so...
0: It's got to be incredible and I, I think the journey is, is it would be just as much fun. You talk a lot about doing Road re-
1: trips are fun. Road trips are fun when we go and do this stuff.
0: Road trips are always fun you know I mean uh, I travel this country plenty of times and most of the times I don't even remember the destination. I remember the you know the drive to get there and the different things we got into on our way. but I, I think the looking at the history, and and seeing uh, the way you spoke about Wyandotte, the Mm -hmm. different things that you've discovered. And now, you know, West Virginia or St. Louis, and all of a sudden, you you know, you buckle down and you start seeing what you can figure out and how far back can you go. Uh, uh, The United States is a relatively young country. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, if you can get back 100 years to any location, you're doing pretty darn good.
1: And the oldest place I've ever been to in the United States was in uh, Shepherdstown, West Virginia. And I think the bar we went into was like, 1780 or something like that you know a few hundred years old but it was like you know in in this part like Michigan especially I hate to say it but they're just horrible with historical preservation that's why we always like work with these historical sites because there's no funding they need money to save these houses and their museums and um, but you go to some states even in Ohio they're great you go to some towns in Ohio the houses are still you know up pristine and the buildings they keep the old jails and the court they repurpose a lot of the buildings and um, I just wish Michigan was a little bit better but
0: have you done anything at Historic Fort Wayne? That just popped into my head, and, and that we, seems like one of the older places around town.
1: It's a lot of uh, Fort Wayne is falling apart. They need a lot of money too, but I think finally the city has some kind of plan together to raise five million dollars to help keep some of those buildings up. We've just walked through there. We've never investigated there before. Um, it's an interesting place, and hopefully they can save it. You know what I mean, and save some. because a lot of them are falling apart.
0: Ironically, I actually did a cycle across through historic Fort Wayne, and it was a little creepy. Like, oh yeah. Some of those tunnels and mm-hmm. stuff, and they're bricked, and I'm like, this place is haunted. The I old know hospitals
1: there and y- stuff. Yeah, it's-
0: I'm like, I know it's haunted. Uh, we're coming down to about the last three minutes of the show. I wanted to hit on something we were talking about before we came on air, and that was how you can feel things. How... Uh, I think most humans can. Vibration is huge, and and we talked a little bit about that. Uh, you know, walking into a room and feeling the vibration of something, the hair standing up on the back of your head. Right. Uh, does it curb you from from living your everyday life? Like, does it take over your life, or does it just help help dictate? You know, where you're going to put effort into.
1: You know, I think uh, I've done I've I've done hundreds of investigations. Sometimes I almost think I'm desensitized to it. You know what I mean? Or I'm used to it. This is a good word to say. Um, but there are those times where I will like take a step back. Like, this isn't right. I don't feel right. And I, I think I apply that to my regular life. And lately I've seen some crazy... Like with that kid, um, you know, at Harris Park. And a few months ago I was taking my kids... I was going to work and drop my kids off at their mom's house on my way. And we drove by and look in the middle of the street. There's a kid laying in the middle of the street. I'm like, a double look. This is 6.30 in the morning. I back up, look, and... He's bleeding out of his head. Hands are all messed up. He got hit by a car. What happened? And I called the police, and they came. I thought he was dead because they pulled his hoodie back. And his eyes were wide open. He ended up living. He still has um, – he's back at school finally. But weird things like that happened to me. Like, I didn't even that day that I found him was a day I was even. I didn't even go that way usually. I just decided to take the long way, and I, I ran across this kid. I stopped, jumped in front of a car. It was dark in this area. The guy would have ran him over and killed him for sure. You know, and then this thing at Heritage Park, it's like, this stuff doesn't happen. I've never, I've been there for 26 years with the city. I've never seen someone do, it's just, I think that's, just with what I do, I'm like opened up to stuff that I'm Mm -hmm. putting places for some reason to help people or something. I don't know what it is. You know, I'm trying to find it out. I'm like. What does this all mean? And that's what I was just thinking. You
0: know, for people who who think paranormal investigators are are chasing evil, or going to bring in evil, you gave me two great incidents that had you not been in those two places, the situation would have been much— Just by chance. Yep, and the situation would have been much different for that young boy and the gentleman who decided that alcohol in a a motor vehicle and 70 miles an hour was a good idea on the afternoon. No, and I
1: think it's—I always look for— I think everyone has a higher purpose, or once you find your meaning in life, you, everyone's struggling. I mean, you could go your whole life and not really figure it out. I'm still not figuring it out totally, but I'm, I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm just different than when I was when I was 18. Yeah. You know, I was wild and partied and everything else. I'm just... The polar opposite now you're know I mean? different it's
0: than when you walked in the door because every minute we're evolving yeah if folks uh are watching and they want to reach out or, or watch what you're doing uh what is your facebook social media all that stuff
1: um you can go to our website uh detroit paranormal expeditions.com it has all our social media channels at the top we're on twitter um facebook instagram youtube i think we might even have snapchat now i don't know i don't know how to, that's for younger people on our team i don't do that stuff but um yeah we're all over Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming to NRM Studios
0: and visiting with me here on The Drop-In, man. Listen, y'all, blow up all that social media. Check out Detroit Paranormal Investigators and and just uh, have an open mind. Have an open mind. Uh, I want to thank you guys once again for tuning into this episode of The Drop-In. Todd, thank you. You're welcome back anytime, brother man. And uh, just, you know what? When you shut this off, take a step back and realize it's your responsibility to live your best life. That's all. That is all. I am Gerald Valley. I am fortunate and honored to have Mr. Todd, Todd Bonner here today. And this is The Drop-In.